0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. World leaders have gathered in the UK for this year's G7 summit. U.S. President Joe Biden has publicly stated that he wants to get tough on China, and along with Boris Johnson of the UK, forge an anti-China coalition of democracies. Now, given Canada's general reluctance to take any action that may upset the Chinese, the question is, where does Justin Trudeau stand on all of this? Will he take advantage of this posture? Charles Burton joins us now, and uh, Charles is a senior fellow at the Macdonald-Laurier Institute Centre for Advancing Canada's Interests Abroad. He's also a former counselor at the Canadian Embassy in Beijing. Charles, thank you for joining us this morning. Appreciate your time. Good morning, Shay. So, China and uh, that country's, well, let's call it rogue behaviour in defiance of international law have been talked about a lot recently. And a lot of observers pointing to this summit saying this needs to be a turning point in the West position on China's international actions. Do you agree that this is something of a pivotal moment?
1: Well, I hope it's a pivotal moment. Um, Certainly the Chinese uh, media that I've been monitoring suggests that, you know, there's too much division within the G7, and we won't see any kind of consensus as to a coordinated, concerted action to try and get China to um, come into compliance with the norms of the international rules-based order. But you know the idea is, uh, and Boris Johnson of Britain has articulated it well, is to develop a D10, which would be all the members of the G7, which of course includes Japan, and um, three countries which are attending this year in Cornwall: uh, Australia, India, and South Korea. All of which are considerably threatened by by China's um, violations of the norms of trade and diplomacy. So you know the idea is to to get together and try and come up with some means to bring china back into compliance because the u.n is just not working out for this because China is a member of the a permanent member of the security council mm-hmm. and has the veto power so you know, I hope it works. Um, there's certainly a lot of issues that um, that we need to try and address before it gets too late and China, you know, gets a, a a kind of advantage over us that we won't be able to turn back. Yeah, and Charles, one of the interesting
0: things about this is, you know, when you take a look at those the G7 or, as you said, the D10 and all these countries, they don't agree on a lot of things unanimously, but China seems to be one. So you would think, Um, that would be an opportunity for progress. Because as you said, they're all being influenced or threatened in some way.
1: Yeah, I mean, especially Australia, which, you know, suggested that we need to have a neutral scientific uh, investigation of the origins of COVID-19. And the Chinese government just you know, like just made a response way out of proportion to this, which was some um, to start barning um, important Australian agricultural commodity exports and and coal into China on spurious ground, so you know uh, Australia has uh, about a thirty percent trade dependence on China and their international trade. Canada only has four percent, so we don 't have as much to lose if, if China does um, come down yeah. heavy on us. But the bottom line is that, you know, we we need to be standing up for each other, and, you know, Canada expects the world to to support us in the in, uh, Chinese hostage diplomacy of Michael Kovrick and Michael's favor. But I don't hear Canada doing too much with regard to the hostage uh, diplomacy that China is engaging in against um, Australians. So, you know, we really need to have a coordinated means to go about this and on other issues as well, the genocide in Xinjiang, the Chinese incursions into the international waters, of the South China Sea, China's uh, threat, a military threat against uh, democratic taiwan you know there are all sorts of areas in which we should be standing together to counter a, a non-democratic force that wants to dominate the global geostrategic um, politics and economics and and if they achieve if they succeeded in that would be very very much against canadian values security and sovereignty so you know we should be doing it the question is do we have the political will to actually follow through?
0: Well, that's the question, and I guess maybe this will be a defining moment in that discussion. Is it political will, or is it the fact that we, up until this point, don't feel we really, you know, we have to respect where we fit in the world order, and on our own we can't do much. But as you say, with the backing of these other countries, will Canada go all in and be part of this partnership, knowing that they've got the U.S. and the U.K. and Australia and all the rest of these other countries? You know, it's, it would seem strength in numbers in some ways, and it could help their own cause.
1: Yeah, you would have thought. I mean, I think that for Canada, there's certainly our policy towards China has been largely one of Passiveness. You know, we haven't done anything meaningful uh, that we're aware of about and favor. I mean, if we're engaging in slow, quiet diplomacy negotiations, 910 days after those men have been put into Chinese prison hell, mm-hmm. you know, they're still not out. So that suggests that didn't work. And when China, you know, pressured us further on the Meng Wanzhou, the Huawei CFO, extradition case to the united states by by barring our canola seeds and meat on entirely spurious grounds canada didn't take any retaliatory action and we and canada really doesn't do anything meaningful about you know chinese menacing and harassing operations against persons of chinese origin in our country or pervasive chinese espionage and cyber espionage so you know i think that On the one hand, we're worried about protecting our market share in China. On the other hand, I think China has got a lot of influence at senior levels of policymakers in our country, and we need to, you know, do something about that. And the obvious thing to do would be to come up with a Foreign Influence Transparency Scheme Act like Australia or the Foreign Agents Registration Act like the United States that would require that Canadians in positions of influence or receiving benefits from a foreign state have to make it transparent and tell us, you know, that they're acting, that they're being paid by a foreign state and therefore one could expect that they would be acting on behalf of that foreign state.
0: Yeah, makes perfect sense. Um, last one before I let you go here. We know that all of these countries are dealing with their own issues with China and, you know, ha- if they can actually come together and form a unified front and come up with some sort of consensus and policy, you know, that these major democracies can agree upon and sort of agree they'll all implement as a uh, as one, um, does that sway what's going on with China? Because we know up until now, China has been pretty much undeterred by any actions any of these countries have taken. Have just continued to do what they're going to do.
1: Well, I mean, it's largely because it's an asymmetrical bilateral relationship that China can take advantage of. You know, they're they're able to to cause considerable problems for our farmers. There's not a lot that we can do against yes. them, but if we all act together you know, then then we do have sufficient weight to strongly disincentivize China from flouting the norms of trade and diplomacy and to play according to to the rules. If we don't do that, then it simply encourages China to do more of the same and further their audacious plans to, you know, destroy the WTO and the UN and set up their own institutions, the community of the common destiny of mankind and restructure the entire global economy by the Belt and Road Initiative to to center on China. And mm-hmm. you know, that's not the kind of world we want. We want a world where you know, based on, on equal sovereignty of nations and human rights and democracy, and that's counter to China's overall agenda.
0: Yeah, so hopefully we see some progress on that front. Uh, Charles, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Good to speak with you, Sheikh. Yeah, thank you, sir. Yeah, thank you, sir. That is Charles Burton, who is a senior fellow at the Macdonald Laurier Institute Center for Advancing Canada's Interests Abroad and a former counselor at the Canadian Embassy in Beijing, talking about the G7 summit and how China is one of the topics of discussion among the leaders of the world's uh, seven largest economies. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Um, the other topics of discussion: climate change and. Uh, The pandemic. Those are the three that have been mentioned by the leaders as they want to address while they're there and uh, already some announcements when it comes to vaccines. Canada is expected to announce a donation of up to 100 million doses of vaccine, which is its share of the 1 billion dose pledge that's expected to emerge from all countries that are attending the summit this weekend. Um, according to a Canadian government source, the 100 million doses would include previous contributions, which uh, includes the 440 million that was given to the COVAX program. So 100 million from Canada is expected. Um, the World Health Organization is pressing these leaders to ensure that you know there's access uh, around the world. Uh, UK Foreign Secretary Dominic Robb says he agrees. There's a global responsibility to ensure that Everyone is vaccinated as soon as possible. The aim is to get the world vaccinated by the end of 2022. If we can do that, uh, we'll be making a real uh, step forward in dealing with the pandemic globally, which is important because we know no one's safe until everyone's safe. So they seem to be on board. Uh, the United States, uh, Joe Biden announced... Um, He was with the chief executive of Pfizer yesterday. They pledged to buy and donate 500 million new doses. So that handles half of the 1 billion doses right there. Canada with another 100 million. And then you've got, you know, UK and the rest of the countries to come on board. So that's a focus of the summit this week. And uh, it makes sense, right? I mean, as they said, we're not all safe until everybody is safe. Uh, We know what happens with variants and things like that. You know what's happening in Calgary right now with the Delta variant at Foothills Hospital and, double vaccinated people getting sick with that Delta variant. So um, the sooner we get everybody vaccinated, the better off we are.